Hello my dudes, my name is Tiffany. Welcome back to my series, Internet Analysis, where I like to research and discuss things relevant to social media, media in general, the internet. Today's topic gets me heated every time I think about it, and it is inspired by a lecture from one of my classes. I'm a media studies major, in case you guys didn't know, and I get heated all the time. This is definitely the right major for me. It's obviously very relevant to this series, but this lecture in particular got me going. So we learned about the man who is the subject of this video and we watched a documentary called The Century of the Self. We watched part one, which is called Happiness Machines, but it's a four part series and I am definitely gonna watch the other three because it's just fascinating. Hopefully you guys can relate to the feeling of literally just wanting to share everything you just learned after a really good lecture. So that's kind of what I'm doing here. So the topic of today's video is a man who is probably low key, one of the most influential people in the 20th century. And and also he's kind of like the beginning or the root of many things that I despise in our society today. That man was Edward Bernays, who is known as the father of PR, public relations. But before I jump into the video, speaking of college and getting excited about my education, today's video is in collaboration with an app called Amino. So I'm creating a series on Amino, which is a very different format to these videos. And the theme of my series is basically any of the potential different paths that you can take after high school, whether that is college, or if you need a gap year, or if you're gonna do a trade school or something else. I'm just really passionate about normalizing like non-traditional paths in life because honestly, the majority of us don't just do the simple straight to college, graduate on time in four years type of thing. And that's okay, that's what makes life great. Here in the US, we are told by parents, teachers, guidance counselors that we have to go to university to get a degree, to get a good job, to be successful. But at 17 or 18, so many of us are just wondering, is college even right for me? What do I like? Who am I? So anyway, once you're done with this video, make sure you guys download Amino, check it out. From your homepage, you can go to Discover and then click Amino Originals. Scroll down and you will find my series, which is called Life After High School. Click on that, watch episode one, and then go to my profile, Tiffany Ferg, and you can follow me and stay tuned for future episodes. All right, let's jump the frick in. So Bernays was an Austrian-American. He was born into a wealthy family. He went to Cornell, and then he ended up pursuing journalism. In his late 20s, after the US joined World War I, Bernays was hired by the Committee on Public Information to essentially create propaganda to encourage domestic and international support for the war. Their whole message was that the US was joining the war in order to help restore or bring democracy to Europe. And surprisingly, or unsurprisingly, this strategy really worked and Bernays was present in Paris and firsthand got to see the impact of his propaganda campaign. Wilson's reception in Paris astounded Bernays and the other American propagandists. They had made him a hero of the masses. And that is where the light bulb was lit. Bernays once said, I decided that if you could use propaganda for war, you could certainly use it for peace. And he also was aware of the kind of negative connotations around the word propaganda, so he changed his position to be called Public Relations Council. By the way, Edward Bernays was a nephew of Sigmund Freud. Actually a double nephew, and I get confused about this every time. Bernays' mother was Freud's sister, and his father's sister was married to Freud. I just, wow. 
While in Paris, Bernays had sent his uncle a gift of some Havana cigars. In return, Freud had sent him a copy of his general introduction to psychoanalysis. Now, most people are familiar with Freud's most well-known ideas. A lot of psychoanalysis, a lot of sexual desires, all about the subconscious and the unconscious mind. And Bernays loved these ideas. The combination of Bernays' success with the war propaganda and then the information about psychology and group thought processes, unconscious desires, those all contributed to Bernays realizing that he could help corporations sell products by using psychology and appealing to the unconscious desires of the people. So the time period we're referring to is pretty much the 20s, and prior to this, products were advertised based on their use, their practical use. Do you need to drive somewhere? Buy this car. These shoes are sturdy and durable. But with industrialization and mass production, there was a threat of overproduction. Factories were worried that people would eventually have all of their needs met and therefore wouldn't need to continue buying anything. Obviously, the upper class people had been buying luxury goods, but the rest of the kind of working class people primarily bought only things that they needed. This is when corporations realized they needed to change their advertising strategy. How do you convince people to buy things that they don't need? We must shift America from a needs to a desires culture. People must be trained to desire, to want new things, even before the old had been entirely consumed. So Edward Bernays started to be hired by corporations to figure out strategies to make their products more marketable, to make them more attractive to the people. And primarily he focused on symbols and connecting products to feelings, or again, those unconscious desires. In a pretty Freudian example, cars represent male sexuality and masculinity. I'm gonna tell you guys one of Edward Bernays' most famous examples, and that is convincing women to smoke cigarettes. At this time, it was kind of taboo for women to smoke, especially in public, and obviously the cigarette companies didn't like that because that meant that they couldn't reach that entire huge population of consumers. Bernays spoke with a psychologist who said, cigarettes are a symbol of the penis and male sexual power. Again, Freudian, very Freudian. Connect that to the idea of challenging male power. Women will have their own penises. Again, we're saying cigarettes are penises, okay? So for this campaign, Bernays also created a very elaborate marketing scheme that involved getting rich debutantes to go to a parade and all at the same time begin smoking out in public, which of course would be a notable thing because it wasn't common. Plus he had told the press that a group of suffragettes were going to smoke torches of freedom. So that is the epitome of Bernays' strategy. You are not selling a product for its purpose, you're selling a feeling, you're selling an image. In this case, you're taking advantage of the women's suffrage movement, trying to encourage women that smoking cigarettes will somehow make them more independent and strong and sexy and stylish. Cigarettes will be their torches of freedom. Ironically, privately, Bernays was actually very against smoking and actively tried to get his own wife to quit. But of course, this is business, baby. Who cares about morals? So going back to kind of what society was in general, this is specifically referring to American cities such as New York City, but because of industrialization, so many people were moving from rural areas to cities, but still at that time, people were primarily known as workers. They worked, they bought what they needed. During the 20s though, we had this shift where people went from citizens and workers to consumers. 
that being their primary worth in society. Their primary function was to spend. And then touching back on how Bernays used Freud's teachings, he basically learned how to appeal to the masses and he really focused on understanding what motivates the human mind. So Bernays used a huge variety of different methods. In magazines, this was the first time that there were connections between celebrities and goods. So celebrities were used to advertise the goods and make that connection between beauty and class, luxury and products. There was product placement in movies. People were encouraged to express their unique selves through their clothing. You all have interesting characters, but some of them are all hidden. I wonder why you all want to dress always the same, with the same hats and the same coats. Don't be boring and dress like everybody else. Show off your individuality by buying something new. Show how interesting you are. I think in a modern context, it's actually really hard to imagine what life was like before all of this, because again, we are so used to this. We're used to advertising. We're used to really clever, sometimes even insidious, marketing strategies. But back then, this was brand new, but it was so effective. And it is really amazing how quickly things shifted into a hyper consumeristic marketplace. So it would be impossible to explain everything that Bernays had an impact on because in this time, every corporation that learned about him wanted to hire them for his marketing and their advertising. But I'm gonna give you a few more examples, such as the rise of bacon and eggs for breakfast. We all think of that as a very, very American staple, but it hasn't always been like that. Americans used to eat a light breakfast, but then Bernays was hired by Beechnut to find a way to sell more bacon. He asked physicians to agree that a heavier breakfast was healthier. So about 5,000 doctors agreed. And then the newspapers came out with this saying, 5,000 doctors say that we should be eating a heavier, heartier breakfast. And by the way, we recommend bacon and eggs. Suddenly that was the ideal standard for breakfast which is just crazy. I think this example is especially interesting because as a vegan, sorry, I had to mention it, I've thought a lot about how foods are marketed to us and how we are taught from birth which foods are healthy and which foods are necessary. Like, oh, you better drink a bunch of dairy milk to get your calcium. Whether or not any of these things are based in fact, it doesn't matter. We are taught that we need these foods and that these foods are healthy or good or part of a balanced diet. And so many of us grow up without even really questioning that because again, we have all of these independent studies which are actually funded by the industries that tell us, oh yes, bacon, eggs, milk, meat, it's all very healthy for you. It's just fascinating. Bernays also helped promote instant cake mix. So Betty Crocker had created the instant cake mix where you were just supposed to add water, but for some reason it wasn't selling well. And they approached Bernays and hired him. And this was his explanation. Bernays suggested to add an egg. He said, when women made cakes from just the mix and water, they felt guilty in their subconscious because they contributed very little. Following this discovery, the recipe was changed to require a few eggs, which made it less convenient but it caused the sales to skyrocket. So this isn't just a matter of, oh, housewives wanna put in a little bit more effort. No, apparently it goes back to Freud, of course. Women giving their family eggs? Wow. <laughs> 
Eggs in the cake mix by Freudian psychology are an unconscious gift from the woman to the husband. The woman offered her eggs and the guilt just disappears. An egg has the connotation of life and birth, meaning the creation of the cake was more meaningful. The housewife thus gives birth for her husband, as if like literally giving birth to children wasn't enough. But sure, honey, I'll put some eggs in your cake, baby. It is just so fascinating. It is so, so fascinating to hear about the roots of these things, because obviously these days, we are not buying instant cake mix because we love the thought of adding eggs to it, but it's just, it's crazy to think that the psychology actually went into marketing this and how it's actually been largely successful without any of us actually knowing about it. And finally, onto my next point. Basically, all of this consumption, promoting goods and goods and goods to the people, buy, buy, buy. Buy before you even need something new. Buy something new because it makes you feel good, because it makes you feel powerful, because it makes you feel sexy, or masculine or buy because advertisements prey on your insecurities or your anxieties. Amazing, but terrible. There is another layer to this though because it's not just about consumption, it goes deeper. Basically, the birth of consumption, consumerism, allowed corporations and politicians to placate people with goods. As long as people were happy, they were happy because they were buying things, their desires were met, then all they would ever focus on is continuing to buy more and more things. Instead of being focused or preoccupied by politics, government, democracy, just make people preoccupied with capitalism. This shift was very individualistic. People started to focus much more on their appearance and the products that they had and comparing themselves to their neighbors. Instead of focusing on your community, you're more likely to focus on yourself or at least your family unit. This reminds me of another thing from that media class which was reading Fahrenheit 451 for the first time. But in that book, it's also a dystopian kind of future where people are literally hyper-focused on just endless, mindless entertainment and pleasure, and they care about nothing else. They have no interest in how the world works or politics or wars, as long as they are entertained and happy. So why is this placated public a good thing? Basically, the elites are scared of the crowd. The crowd being all of these people smushed together in cities. The elites, the people in power, the wealthy, they saw these giant, giant populations of people and thought, they're dangerous, they're irrational, they're unintelligent, they're not educated. We need to distract them and keep them as far away from the political process as possible. Just get them out of the way so that we can handle things, maintain the status quo, and never have to be concerned about what all the ordinary people want. So obviously the elites benefit from this in multiple ways. Many of them are the owners or CEOs of these major corporations. So literally when people spend, it profits them directly. It makes them richer, but also the lack of attention or lack of interest from the public just makes it easier for them to do whatever they want, be that lobbying Congress or any other shady deals that they want to be swept under the rug without the notice of the people. Now this fear of like the crowd or the public has been a very common topic throughout history. Gustave Le Bon wrote The Crowd and yeah, there's that same fear, the inherent irrational spirit of the crowd that made the people in power or the elites, they're usually the same people, believe that it was just best for them to control the government and keep all of those messy, irrational people out of it. Of course they were right to be fearful because when the crowd does know what's going on and wises up, 
quote from Bernays's book Propaganda in 1928. The conscious and intelligent manipulation of the organized habits and opinions of the masses is an important element in democratic society. Those who manipulate this unseen mechanism of society constitute an invisible government which is the true ruling power of our country. So basically this whole video and this lecture are about the intersections of capitalism, oligarchy, advertising, consumption, all of it is tied together. My feet are asleep, that happens every time. So again, as much as Bernays worked a lot for corporations to sell products and figure out how to market things, he also was hired by a lot of politicians to figure out how to market them, how to change their public persona, how to change the public's perception of them. Now again, this idea sounds very familiar to us because obviously we're familiar with public relations, but reminder, Bernays was literally the father of this. He literally wrote the book, taught the first public relations course at NYU. He literally like invented this. But anyway, basically corporations, the wealthy, politicians, and there is a lot of overlap there. They all realized the huge benefits of working with someone like Bernays who was just a genius at understanding the psychology of groups of people. How to control people without them even realizing that you were doing it. He actually coined a term called the engineering of consent. And he believed that this was an important part of democracy, that it helped to strengthen democracy when people were told what to believe by the elites that he apparently thought knew best. By the way, he was one of the elites. Again, as I mentioned, he was born wealthy. He did believe in a natural hierarchy of people. He had servants and didn't think very highly of them. While most people respond to their world instinctively without thought, there exists an intelligent few who have been charged with the responsibility of contemplating and influencing the tide of history. Bernays expressed little respect for the average person's ability to think out, understand, or act upon the world in which they live. So it was part of his life and his belief system and then he was surrounded by these upper class or very powerful people which all helped to reinforce these beliefs in his mind. So the last thing I want to touch on is FDR because FDR was actually quite critical of big corporations and big business and he, unlike many of the other politicians, wanted to strengthen democracy. He didn't want to take the power away from the people, he wanted to give it back to the people. We had to struggle with the old enemies of peace, business and financial monopoly, speculation, reckless banking, class antagonism, sectionalism, war profiteering. Never before in all our history have these forces been so united against one candidate as they stand today. They are unanimous in their hate for me and I welcome they are hatred. So with FDR, we started to have this battle between a populist kind of politician like FDR, who is truly about the people versus politicians who are really about maintaining their own power and the status quo. There was a fight between FDR and big business. So big business started to fight back and create their own marketing campaigns to try to win the American people back over, keep them in their good graces. They tried to create emotional connections between Americans and brands such as phrases like, you prosper when business prospers. 
And I just found that so, so interesting because we do hear that all the time. We have all of these emotional pleas that businesses try to connect to us. They try to make us feel like we are a part of them when really they're just trying to increase their profits. And it's very easy for a business to create an advertising or marketing campaign that is disingenuous or take some kind of a social issue and tries to make the company seem like it cares about the people, such as, hello, Pride Month. We've seen so many companies that either have shown no love to LGBTQ people or have been actively harmful against those people, suddenly rocking rainbows. And it's just like, it's not only cringy, but it's actually really offensive. And <laughs> I'm glad when they get called out for it because it's just bullshit. But bottom line is we can't really trust corporations marketing anyway, because at the end of the day, it's only in their best interest they're gonna tell us whatever we want to know they're going to engineer consent to convince us consciously or subconsciously to support them and buy their products so I hope that you guys enjoyed today's little lecture video I love it it gets me heated as I mentioned Bernays is like the root of all evil in my mind I'm like dude how could one man do so much bad clearly a very talented and intelligent guy but so so manipulative and it just opened all the doors to all of the corporate marketing PR horrors that we experienced today I mean, if it wasn't him, it probably would have been the next guy or woman, most likely guy. It was back in the 20s. But here's a quick reminder that when it comes to politics, make sure that we are supporting people who want to represent the people. That means people-funded campaigns. To see what a politician is all about, all you have to do is look at their donors. If they have a lot of corporate donors, be it big oil, big pharma, the healthcare insurance industry, big banks, Wall Street, if they're a friend of all those big corporations and accepting money, they're gonna be working for those big corporations and not the people. Just a little message for you guys. Shout out to FDR, shout out to the true populace who wanna represent the people and bring democracy back. I've never filmed a video this late at night, so I'm gonna go now. But once again, make sure you guys check out Amino. My series is on there. Let me know what you think of it. I'm nervous. It's something new and different. Make sure you subscribe if you enjoyed this video. You guys can follow me on Instagram for some mediocre pics and stay tuned for my next internet analysis videos. Okay, thanks, bye.